Because no race has the last word on culture and on civilization. They do not know what we are capable of. They do not know what we are thinking. They are thinking in terms of dreadnoughts, battleships, aeroplanes, submarines. You know what we are thinking about? That is our own private business. You are listening to The Brown CEO. You are listening to The Brown CEO. I'm your host, Selma Idris. Follow the conversation every week as I speak to some of the dopest minds from around the planet about what's broken and how we're going to fix it. This is The Conversation Between Us, every Tuesday. Yalla, let's go. Hello and welcome to episode four of The Brown CEO. I am your host, Selma Idris. Researchers estimate that an average American is exposed to about 5,000 plus advertisements and brand exposures per day. That number includes ads, packaging, labels, billboards, uh, YouTube, basically all brand communication. Our world is saturated with messages and directives authored by companies who aim to inform us, appeal to our desires, and ultimately convert us into loyal customers. So advertising dollars not only guide commerce, they also control culture. There's a whole lot of power in controlling the message. Advertising tycoon David Ogilvie once said, advertising is only evil when it advertises evil things. In light of everything Prada, Gucci, and Vogue, I thought it apropos to invite my homie, artist, activist, and entrepreneur Rodney White to have a conversation today about the power of messaging. Welcome, Rodney. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Rodney was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia. Right. Yeah. Uh, now lives and works in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Rodney is a visual artist, award-winning art director um, at one of the largest. I, I know Rodney because my sister met him at one of the largest uh, ad, agencies. ad agencies on the mm-hmm. planet um, and a designer. In addition to his success in advertising, Rodney has achieved commercial success as an artist with artwork sold in giants like, can I say it? Target? Target, Bed Bath Beyond, Kirkland's, um, Walmart, God forbid. (laughs) (laughs) All of it. Um, And he is now the founder, the creator of uh, Black on Black, a beautifully designed clothing and accessories line that's both clothing and a protest sign. Mm -hmm. and he's also a really dope dad, but that's on the side. <laughs> that's my main job. Main job, yep. Hi, Rodney. So you're someone that I thought would be perfect for this episode on messaging and the power of messaging because you're somebody who gets it. Like you come from that environment. Mm-hmm. And knowing your creation story of like, or your origin story of how you got to where you got, like us personally, I'd love for you to talk to folks about um, your perspective um, when you create, because it is very in line with the with the idea of messaging. Yeah, um, for me, um, actually, I, I originally wasn't going to even bring up the art because um, I didn't realize how closely it tied to what we're talking about today. Really? But that is the perfect segue into how I got to Black on Black. Um, I, I was studying art direction in uh, in school in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, I quickly learned that um, great copy, um, great design, and great typography—all these things are, are 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 
vehicles and devices used to drive culture, drive desires, um, drive aspirations, all these things, all these messages and all this. And I realized very early on the power that I had in my hand as the art director and creator and designer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was how I started using that same vehicle of messaging, advertising messaging, to inspire people and, and give them something else to quote unquote purchase that is not a product. Mm-hmm. And that's how the art came to be. I was selling people themselves. Hmm. I was allowing people to buy a better version of themselves mentally. Um, which and, is the essence of advertising, Which right? is the essence yeah, of advertising, except... Aspire um, to be. Except right? I, I wasn't providing you... I wasn't trying to sell you on a product that may or may not help you become your best self. I was selling you on the idea that you are already your best self. You just don't know it. Hmm. So that was how the art came to be. Okay. Um, through that... Through those the, the years of, of creating art... And inspiring lots of people and inspiring lots of audiences, um, I did have a, a a large proponent of my customer base was a was a, a particular demographic, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily my my, my home demographic. Um, which, Who was uh, it? White people? Middle, middle American white women. Okay. Was was my was my my target my not my target but just the demographic that was purchasing the art. Um, and the product from the different big box stores and online and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, and through that, through even even through that 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 operation of 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 creating and selling and, and continually to pull from my own uh, processes of, of of inspiring myself and inspiring others, things started to hit a bit of a, a lull for me when this this social political climate started to change. Mm-hmm. And when I say change, um, what, what 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 was the impetus for Black on Black wasn't anything new. It was just an amplified um, iteration of it. Um, I wanted I wanted to speak in a different voice. Um, still my voice, uh-huh. still a very authentic voice, uh, but I wanted to speak in a different voice to a different audience. Okay, and um, I needed, I needed a new channel for that. So Black on Black became that channel. Hmm. Um, Do you think that you're, when, okay, you being your authentic self when you were creating, whether it was mm-hmm. Middle America purchasing it, because you didn't have Middle America in mind when you created it. No, not at all. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was me. It was, yeah. it, in fact, the poetry, the poetry that I started to write while I was in school um, and while I, when I had my first job, the poetry was all about my personal life experiences. It was like, and it was it was tough. I was going through some things. I was in a bad relationship. I had just got fired from a job for no apparent reason. I, I know their reason, but <laughs> <laughs> no reason of my own. Let's just say that. Um, I got fired from the job. Um, things were just not in the wheelhouse of what I saw my life being. Mm-hmm. So I started writing poetry. But I hated to end the poem on a bad note. So I, so I always ended the poem with a resolve. So even though the poem was about my problems and about this issue that I was dealing with and this circumstances that I just would not find favorable, I always ended with a solution, a resolve. That resolve, that solution, 
ended up becoming the paintings. And that was the reason why everybody, a lot of people gravitated to the work as inspiring mm -hmm. because the resolve wasn't just specific to my situation. It was universal. It was universal. Yeah. And um, I kept moving in that direction. So it's like the fact that I'm living my life that is apparently very different than my audience's life. Mm-hmm. It's still a problem that I'm, that I'm having to deal with, and I'm still having to come up with a solution. And my solution was a solution that resonated with everybody else too. A lot of people, a lot of other people. So I was still authentically, you know, speaking my truth and 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 speaking my my life and in and, and my process. It's just that when, like I say, when the social political climate began to change, Trayvon Martin. Um, Mike Brown, when all these things started to happen, I had desires to speak to an audience and to, and to an experience that I knew my audience wasn't necessarily native to. Yeah. Or a spirit that wasn't native to my audience. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I feel you on that. And it's interesting because it's, it's really just, like, like you said, it's your authentic voice, but you're speaking to a com You didn't change yourself. I didn't change myself, no. You've always been the same Rodney. It's always been the same work, but the conversation is directed towards a different audience and very much more directly. Um, the Just to familiarize everyone with a little bit with the black on black um, and some of the protest signs that are wearable. Uh, I got one on today. Ah, nice. Yeah. I was which one you got on? Oh, yeah. Mine says I was born black like this. I woke up black I like woke this. up black yeah. like this. I'm sorry. I'm reading it upside down. <laughs> you got a black one on too, right? I have one on that reads, Black pride is only a threat to those who seek to undermine it. So tell me about the the graphic tees, the the slogans on the on T-shirts the and what the, that means to you. Well, what it means to me is... Um, I was, I was experiencing or watching the um, the commentary and the rhetoric being tossed around whenever, whenever, whenever black people begin to exhibit pride within themselves, it's always used as a, it's always interpreted as a counter to something else, and what do you mean by that? I mean, I mean, I mean by like. Because I say who I am, mm -hmm. and because I'm pro-black, that must mean I'm anti-something else. I'm anti-something else. And okay. I was just so annoyed and fed up by that, that common, common misperception um, about what pride and self means, um, being pro-self and pro-black, and what, 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 that, what that means, um, that I just began to... I just began to write these th th these lines and ideas around the different experiences that I personally have, and I'm 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 positive that I'm sharing with other Black people. Um, and what 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 that ended up becoming was becoming um, just a way for people to make their position known without ever having to say a word hmm. because the gear they're wearing says it for them um it was it was it was it was an incognito move on my part almost in the sense where it's like you can walk into a 
Perfect example. Yeah. I wore I I um I my second collection that I released called Allies and Champions. There's a piece, there's a shirt in that collection that reads, the system is broken as designed. I love I I carry a bag that says the listen, system is broken as designed. That's my favorite little that's my favorite tote. I got called in for site. jury duty yeah. one day. Uh-huh. And I I wore <laughs> that shirt that's into jury shirt. duty. Uh-huh. And <laughs> You best believe I did not get selected. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep that in mind, folks. Get this is my jury duty not, release. This is my jury duty release. Tote, shirt, hat. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And on the way out, man, this guy was like, man, the shirt must have worked. <laughs> really? But the, 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 the beauty of the statements is, like I say, it's, 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 all, it's, it's all about me. It's all about how I feel about myself. It has nothing to do with anyone outside of this particular body that I'm inhabiting. Mm-hmm. This is me. So, um, one time I was on the uh, on, on the train, and uh, I had on a tank top uh, that w- wearing my most popular statement, the one that says uh, "Black skin." Oh, black, black skin, black. Yeah, my black, kids had that shirt. Yeah, black yeah. skin, black nose, uh, black lips, black hair, black everything, black, black, blackity black. Um, and this woman, white woman, European woman, um, I'm really bad with accents, so it could have been German, it could have been Middle Eastern, could have been Polish, it could have been, could have been whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But um, she's from Europe. Yeah, she was from right. Europe. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use my my imitation. It's probably going to sound French, but <laughs> <laughs> she was like, well, "What is this shirt that you're wearing? What, what's, what's this black nose, black everything, black black?" I'm like, um. Basically, this means that everything on this, everything on this shirt for years has been pressed upon us as an indelible mark against black people. Uh-huh. These are things that society has never found value in. This shirt is basically saying, we don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And she just kept it moving. But uh, just I looked that, over to the side and I saw this brother sitting there. He was watching the whole thing. He was like, yeah, man. And <laughs> rather than having to say the words, having the clothes on is so nice and mm-hmm, easy. Mm-hmm. It's just like. You know how I feel just by, just by what I'm exactly. wearing. You know and exactly. And if you want to come over and argue, fantastic. If you want to come over and be my friend because I have this shirt on, cool. We'll talk about it. Well, if you want to compliment whatever. me, I mean, fine. Yeah, it's- exactly. But it's a, it's a conversation that has to be had that I don't want to have necessarily. I don't want to start it. I'm willing to have it. I'm not willing to start it. But it. It's there. It's a conver- It's the conversation that needs to be had, and that's what I love about them. And oftentimes, um, a an outside person's response to the shirts that I'm wearing tells me everything I need to know about them. Um, if the response is a in, in a negative, or like they feel offended, or they feel you know called out by your gear, mm-hmm. that says something. That says a lot about you. Yeah, that says that says nothing much about me. If anything, it doesn't say anything about me. Um, it says a lot about you know the person responding. Um, so I use it. I use these things as almost like litmus tests sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, how woke are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will you be my friend? Like, like even for black folk though, like if the black lady doesn't want to stand next to you because you have the shirt on, then you're just like, Ugh, 
You hate yourself. <laughs> don't be my friend. Don't stand next to me. I don't okay. care. Yeah. There's no friendship room for you. But yeah. I like that you mentioned your shirt, the 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 system is broken as designed. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Because a lot of folks online in the comments and stuff with all the Gucci stuff and the Prada stuff and whatever happening, who don't necessarily have never been where we were. Like have never been back in a creative room getting ads together, campaigns together, don't necessarily know the bureaucratic process. So I, I, I think that's, that's a conversation I want to get into as far as the, um, the control of that messaging. Like where do you, like what the fuck? <laughs> what do you think about it? Well, um, yes, P piggybacking on, on your point of the, the bureaucracy of having to get something out the door. It starts way before the final product. Yeah. Um, um, just, just, a quick, just a quick rundown, even in a creative department at an ad agency, a small ad agency. Let's let's say the agency got like three creative teams. Fine. Um, three creative teams are competing to get their ideas produced, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, they report to a creative director who also reports to an, an, an executive creative director. Um, then that creative director has to uh, present that work to the client. That client has to approve the work. Um, then throughout the production process, there's if there's if it's if it's a commercial, there's video, there's filming, there's production, there's set you knows being created. Like all these touch points where at some point somebody black had to see That's, yeah. this thing and be like, mm. That's a little problematic. <laughs> yeah. Even at, at the very, very least, somebody said, mm, you know, you might not want to do that. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you what happened, it probably was some black folks in the, the, the line somewhere that had an issue with it. But, and I've, 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 I've heard about this experience at my prior, my previous agency where the, uh, the black guy was like, uh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And, the the creative director, you know, some European, some get some literally a guy from Europe, um, working in in the New York office was like, I got this. Don't worry about this. Okay, that's like some code stuff okay. for like I'm with okay. the clan. This is our message. <laughs> I got it. I'll take the heat. Don't worry about it. Like but I don't even understand. Like to say I got this. Don't worry about this. Like. What what is that? Like it's, is it like I'll take the heat? It's okay, or no, is it we need to get this message out? It's the, it's dismissive in the sense that you don't know what you're talking about, uh. and that's the point where all of these brands and creative creatives keep dropping them. First off, the ad industry is getting wider and wider. Um, when I worked really? at, yes, it's, it's getting wider and wider. Um, at, on on the on, at the larger agencies for sure. Hmm. Um, when I worked at, um, I'm 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 not gonna drop the name of the agency, but when I worked at one of the big boys, yeah, um, Rodney's worked at the biggest boys, by the way. So this is whatever. When this I worked at one of the big boys, at, yeah. when I first started at the agency, I was one of three creatives, black creatives. Um, two of them were two of us. Actually, all three of us are on the same team. 
we all worked in the same group. Um, was it the urban marketing department? No, no. Okay. Just, 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 you know, he's you general, talk general about. market stuff. <laughs> general market. Okay, all right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but by the time I left that agency, um, I think I started two thousand six. By the time I left in two thousand ten, mm-hmm. I was the only person of color on the creative team. Where did they go? Some of them quit. One got fired, but okay. no effort was made to replace them with Women new color. Co- people, creatives of color. Um, and I left in, in 2010. And if I'm not mistaken, I was just talking to a guy, one of my guys the other day. They, I think they just replaced one, replaced, put one in. Yeah. But we're talking about a, t- we're talking about a, a group of hundreds of creatives. One black creative in this group of hundreds, hundreds. That's the industry doing this work. That's the type of dynamic doing this work. Um, we, because of that dynamic, you get things like the swagger wagon. Yeah. That, that commercial from, you get yeah. things like. Uh, There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. Yeah. Mary, even Mary doing the KFC <laughs> ad. You remember that? No, I think I think it was the, was it Burger King so oh. like, with, with, the, with the chicken. The, the, yeah, it was, the it was Mary and the chicken. Uh, you mean Mary J. Blige, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah it was Mary and KFC. <laughs> like, that's how fabulous it was. And then when I asked her, she was like, oh, no, the final concept. No, the original no, concept <laughs> is off. You don't do fried chicken. You don't do fried chicken. Right. It made no sense. Her right. people let her down on that one. Yeah. They got... Um, there's so many. The Dove ad with the see the Dove ad is one that I think falls into that everybody was too white in a room, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that anybody was necessarily evil in the room. I do think that there's outright Wait, effed this, up stuff that's happening. There's just blind spots. And the, the Dove thing, I do honestly believe it was a blind spot. I think Dove was running in that go women race so hardcore, and the women race is so white. That there was a bunch of white women in that room going yay yay yay, and then the whole clothes thing when they started taking the shirts off. Yeah, that's that, was... that ad. And then the you know you went browner to lighter as you started taking the shirts off, and that was just one of those like when you know like the white woman that doesn't realize she's racist or raising raising racist children that kind of thing. That's that blind spot. There's yeah, other but... stuff that I would call out as more evil, but I, I don't know how you feel about the dove. What you think that dove one? <laughs> that one's that one's a very very it's it's one of those things where it's like how can you rationalize that being okay i i i just want that's the that's the first question i'm going to get how did you rationalize that being okay and i just can't see it the other way like to just not get stuff but i've seen dumbfounded faces who legitimately were not trying to be evil that were looking at stuff and saying to me, explain how that's racist. Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of dynamics at work in, 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 in this kind of a situation where um, people who know oppression can recognize anybody's oppression. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they choose to acknowledge, lift, and raise that person's oppression is another thing. But anyone that anyone that that has been a target of any type of oppression recognizes oppression in other people. Mm-hmm. Um with the exception of white women sometimes. 
white women sometimes don't recognize what they experience as oppression. They, it's like it's like they yeah. see what they experience as women, because you know there's there's still there's still white supremacy, white supremacists adjacent. There's still white privilege. It's still white power adjacent. Like, well, they're, it's like they're the nurturers of white well, power. They're, but they're in, in, in the system, in the patriarchal system, they're number two. Yeah. And they raise they're, number one. Like, mm-hmm. let's not forget that. Yeah. Like, as much as brown women get the the brunt of, oh, you're, uh, you know, the, the black crime is because women are, black women are welfare queens and blah, 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 and we yell at our kids or don't do whatever. And the kind of scrutiny that we have in public, like the amount of people that tell me how to, what to do with my children on a regular basis in public is amazing. That are like, oh, your, your kids are walking over there. I'm like, I know they're walking over there. <laughs> I know this. I am very capable of raising my kids and yours too. Like we do that too. Often we do times, both. Oftentimes, we, yeah, we, we, yeah. But um, I think that that same brunt that we take, I don't think that they take necessarily in terms of like, yo, like who raised Trump? A woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like if he, if, if in any way that he's raising his kids, his dad probably wasn't even around. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's that that's the that's the um, thing. And then when you talk about women, it's interesting because when I was I was talking to a friend about the the Gucci sweater, and I was like, you guys have to realize who they're talking to. Somebody we're just offended that they're talking to young rich white girls, and they're not talking. And and that's the conversation that they're having. We're offended with the conversation that they're having with these girls. Like they're not selling that sweater to a black girl. They're sell- they created, merchandised, and are selling that sweater to a rich white girl, to um, whatever, an ins- uh, Kylie Jenner wannabe, to whoever else wannabe, and that's what those girls were going to wear, and this is the ad that they made speaking to them. Now, we just got in on the conversation, and then, well, what the hell are you doing? How is this appealing to the demographic? They're not trying to appeal to us. They're not talking to black women. They're not talking to black men. Yeah, the uh, white people weren't offended. <laughs> they didn't even catch it. Obviously. No. Pat Patrice O'Neill has this joke that he does on like on his his last um comedy album where he talks about these um the these this new racism where like white people don't want to have to answer for their racism because they've never had to before. Mm-hmm. Not putting in the work necessary to not appear or even behave in racist manners because yeah. we've, been, we've, been laying, we've been laying the breadcrumbs for years. I have this poem that I had wrote a few years ago um, where, I'm, where I'm like, no, we we we've been we've been singing about it for years. We've been dancing about it for years. We've been we've been outperforming about it for years. We've been, you know, erecting our posture and keeping our hands on the steering wheel about it for years. We've been we've been doing we've been cutting our hair and presenting ourselves about it for years. Mm-hmm. Now either you haven't been paying attention or you don't fucking care. Yeah. So for us, I think a decision to make is like you said, I don't have the energy to care. To, to care what you're thinking or why you're thinking that way. The only thing I can do is move forward 
and go, oh, you know what? You want to be an asshole? I'm not buying your products. Well, well, one thing that is definitely uh, starting to uh, to happen is the black voice is starting to have a lot more decibel to it. Mm-hmm. And the black voice from a, from, from a solitary place is having, like each voice has more weight now um, because of technology, because of social media, because of, of Twitter. Um, black Twitter has taken down many a behemoth. <laughs> yes. And so it, it's, yeah, it's- Black Twitter is the most powerful beast on the planet it's, right it's, now. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's almost like the, um, the Holden Hears a Who, where that one little <laughs> tiny voice added to the, the concophony was enough to to be heard. Yeah. Now we're we're starting to understand that no, we get we get enough of us making noise about this. Yeah. Things happen. Well, I hope move. that's what we're realizing. I hope it's not just used for okay, great Twitter. Like I hope I hope Black Twitter realizes that like Trump is like damn. Am I more powerful than Black Twitter well, yet? <laughs> you know? Where is this black? Where is Twitter? this black? I know, like, Who like, is what's black? The, what's the URL for Black, black Twitter? Twitter. Like, <laughs> At Black Twitter, I hate you. <laughs> is it a hashtag? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's so true. We do have so much power, and we have so much power in the message. Because the message now, I was just listening to. I don't know if you heard this. Have you listened to Soldier Boy's complete? Interview on the breakfast on the Breakfast Club. Not the whole thing, but a, a good chunk of it. And I would I would say that what I heard from Soldier Boy changed my perception of Soldier Boy. I me too. I was in my ladies' WhatsApp group it like changed. girls. You got to listen to Soldier Boy's interview. He's absolutely so right on so much stuff. Man. As far as like that's the that's the young millennial that nobody ever listens to that never gets the credit. It's just a different story. Like. 30 years ago, Soldier Boy would have been the guy who, like, started, like, I don't know, some major mm-hmm. record company somewhere, like Sony Music or something, mm-hmm. and you would have never heard from him again. But he's like, I got YouTube. That's- and then it's, the, it's also going back to the power of black Twitter, mm-hmm. like, understanding what Soldier Boy was able to do for a music career and for a music industry, really. Like, he reshaped and reformed how an industry speaks to its fans. Mm-hmm. It, he reshaped and reformed the revenue model for an industry, which is huge. For a long time, folks just didn't know how to monetize. Yeah. Like, what, and it what, all what comes back this? to advertising, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I mean, and that's where it all started, right? Like television is something like a tele, the soap opera was a commercial. Like, and once people actually realize yeah. that everything around you, even your programming, like... Folks buy shows and ideas for shows based on the trends that are happening, based on Nielsen ratings. Like everything is based on data. All the data that says this is what you buy, this is what you like, this is what you'll spend your money on, and this is what you'll watch is what they'll make. And advertising completely depends on eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. Um, where where are the listeners? Where are the viewers? Um, you know, pop up ads like even like it's like even like on 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 let's say Pandora. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Pandora and a commercial comes on. Why is a banner ad popping up on the who's who's watching Pandora? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm listening to it. I ain't watching it. Yeah. But a banner ad comes up just in case. You're looking. I'm at my computer while listening to Pandora. Yeah. Well, it's, you it's, knew it's, a banner ad came up, so you did see it. Right. <laughs> Five thousand plus exposures you get. Yeah. Everything from the stamp on your coffee cup. To when you look up at your screen and there's all the different app logos to every encounter that you have to every 
YouTube video, if you check the weather and an ad comes up, like now it's going to increase more and more and more because every time advertisers find a, all you need is a surface, surface, whether it be an audio surface or it be a physical surface to, to get your message in someone's head, you're going to do it because you Yeah, just, and that's, that's the thing about the, the ad industry um, as a whole. The ad industry has been slow to adapt to the uh, the new ways that people are being being reached, and and the new way the new places that people are, yeah. where the viewers are. Advertising has the ad industry. It's like it's like I liken it to the, to the Titanic. The Titanic, the big boys, the big agencies, they're the Titanic, and. Turning that ship around, turning those ships around, is a long process. Yeah. You're not in a speedboat. You're not in that in that, in that demon flying over to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> 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 it's like you, you ain't got that that nimble quickness that you have in a small shop where you can adjust. All of a sudden, some new some new media channel comes up and like, oh boom, let's do this. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So. That's that's and but, but here's the thing about like like the whole blackface is that you can hey you can you can perpetuate someone or somebody without darkening yourself like like um like people might say uh like I think Al Sharpton was saying this like like when the whole Virginia governor and then the um. The lieutenant governor, like all everybody was just was coming down with the shits. Yeah. Um, it's like when 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 Michael Jackson was 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 at his peak, there were tons of white kids with curls That's a good point. And, 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 and and red zipper jackets and glitter socks and penny loafers and the glove that didn't darken themselves to go to the concerts. Yeah. Yeah. I still get Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> And if you waited a few years, you ain't even have to talk on yourself. Michael Jackson is pretty much imitating you. <laughs> like if you wait a few years, <laughs> you ain't even gotta do blackface. Like you, can, you can do later Michael Jackson. You can do bad Michael Jackson. You can. <laughs> oh my god! Remember the time. I'm like shit. Like, you wait. You wait. You, you pick the right period. You ain't even gotta put on makeup. Come on now. Now I feel you. We were talking about that the other week. We're about how, how like the the don't try to trick me and say I wasn't trying to be offensive when you chose shoe polish to put on your face. You know what and, I'm saying? And, and, like I I'm not the color of shoe polish. Michael Jackson's not the color of shoe polish. At I any don't know point anybody who is the color of shoe polish at any or point has his... that kind of spread. Yeah. yeah. That's like me, like going, oh, I'm gonna be a white lady today, and like smacking some like mayonnaise on my face and walking outside. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's what it looks like to me. Like, yeah. I think that we need to stop being like, oh my god, and like, oh my god, you freak. Like, you're so weird because that's that's the level of it. It's just like dismiss that as stupidity. It's so dumb. And one of the things that um, white people have Once to take the mm-hmm. get under their in 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 their cranium. They have to get, they get this, and then everything else may fall in place for them. Oh, I want to know this. This is like the secret. This is is the white people being better people secret. Ooh. 
<laughs> like, like, intention does not absolve impact. I don't care what you thought or feel. The way it landed is hurtful, is impactful, it's fucked up. I don't care what you intended to do. Yeah. Your actions cause these effects. Intention does not absolve impact. You get that through your skull, you can navigate this world with a much more clear perspective on your behavior. You start realizing that, uh, I'm not intending to hurt her feelings, but am I hurting her feelings? You start asking those questions. Yeah. They don't ask those questions. That's the thing. They don't ask because they don't understand that concept. That's deep, Randy. That's, that's the white people being better people secret. <laughs> <laughs> In a small, in, well, I guess so a small way, but in in a different way, I feel like um, black people have to, and this, and this this is this is the world at large because it's not just black people; it's white people, Chinese people, anybody, anybody, any other ethnicity of people mm-hmm. need to un- need to understand that the the power dynamic, white supremacy, patriarchy, which is the same thing. Um, white supremacy patriarchy everybody it, it basically it ranks it ranks you know the darkness um yes ethnic other ethnic people you're discriminated against um oftentimes not as you know drastically and heavy handed as black black people are going to carry the heavy hand of oppression mm-hmm. always that's that's not, not always now we're gonna always but we've always done that. Um, so to 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 liken our responses and 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 actions to the responses of other people is almost disingenuous because we're not we're not we're not, we're not oppressed in the same way. So we can't we can't respond in the same Great way. Great point. So we have. Our responses have to be specific to our oppression. However, our responses can be informed of other people's experiences. Absolutely. And actually what works in the system. Which is, but you make a great point. You're right. It's like that's not what they went through. So that's why they're able to that, just brush it's like, it off. Now, granted, don't get, they don't get me wrong. They can still walk in a room. They have a positive stereotype. Like, I get it. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Chinatowns exist in every major city in this country mm-hmm. because of white supremacy. That's just bottom line. Yeah. Because uh, banks in the in the in the in the Asian in the China in the Chinese uh, communities of uh, many many years ago, banks normal white people banks wouldn't loan money to Chinese Chinese businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't get they like there was the Chinese the China Exclusion Act. Recently repealed, I think when Obama uh, repealed it in 2012. Yeah. So they've they've carried their brunt of oppression and racism at the hands of white supremacy as well. But it's a very different. Yeah, it it, it is. Because Chinatowns have been left to thrive, whereas Black Wall Street did not. Well, this is also the big difference. Chinatown, there's a China. Right. Yeah. So I say that about Africans all the time. Right. Like. Ethiopians have strong communities and strong roots back home. They have businesses abroad and so on. There's a stable Ethiopia 
you know, it, it has fluctuations, but there's a stable country to come from, right? Mm. As opposed to like Somalians, for example, where most Somalians have no home country. Mm. So once you're out, you are forced to either assimilate or form smaller pockets of Somali and East African communities. It's China has China. Chinese people have China, you mm. know, that you're from at this point, you're from a world power, you know, God mm. bless your Chinatown, you know, like that. that's now you have folks. And that's that's why I say learn from other people's expertise, uh, other people's experiences, because the biggest propaganda put on the the black man is that you're not from anywhere. Right. You can't connect there. How would you understand that? Meanwhile, you'll meet Karen Lafrock, blah, 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 blah. And she'd be like, I'm French. Be like, do you speak French? No. I'm from I'm 1804, Huguenots, whatever, whatever it is. They'll find their lineage and they'll hold it dear. They'll graduate from high school and, you know, travel across Paris. I mean, travel across Paris, travel across Europe on a train. They've convinced us to graduate from freaking college and travel across Europe <laughs> for a life-changing yeah, yeah, experience yeah. of what? Of oppression? You want me to hit a whole <laughs> line of the people that robbed Mansa Musa and all the empires and everything that I'm from? But in, in nowhere, no shape or form, do we, other than organizations I know that are similar to Birthright Africa, actually inspire that within ourselves to go back there. So all to just make your point is, I mean, I mean to, to, to talk to your point about the whole, um, you know, that's their different experience. Well, that's why they're successful. And that's maybe what we need to look at and say, you know what, we need to connect. We need to get a little bit more of a fuck you attitude. That 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 much is true. And and to that point, I have a I have an experience. Um, uh, me me and my homeboy, we went to Lagos in 2015, right mm. before I started Black on Black. And actually, oh. my trip to Lagos was one of the, the 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 starting experiences that that led me to be like, okay, I'm doing this when I get home. That's dope. Um, but we we, we was in Lagos and. Um, he 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 is half Nigerian and half Jamaican, um, so we were there to see, to meet his his uh, paternal side of the family. Okay. But we we had met up with a bunch of uh, expats um, Nigerians who had left uh, Nigeria and came back to Lagos. Um, who had left the states? You mean? Who, who had, you know who had left? Who had left Lagos? And, oh, and moved to the and states then, and moved to different countries. Like oh, some, different countries. Some, and somewhere in Europe, somewhere in the states, and then they moved back to. Then they moved back to to Lagos. Okay. So we were talking with this one uh, young lady, and uh, she was she was she was actually her parents are uh, native Nigerians, but she was born in Belgium. So she had a Belgian passport, but she you know obviously um, her her roots are in Lagos, and she had born and raised in in Belgium. So she understood the language, she understood the culture. She was she was of Belgium, but she, she says she decided to come back. When she realized that if I was to die in the street, I'll be just some dead African in the street. And so I came home and I said to her, I say, see, that's the difference. You have a place to come back to. I say most most blacks in America, we don't know where we're from, what mm -hmm. country in Africa we're from. And she said, pick one. That's exactly what There's I was going to say. 54 of them. 
Exactly. Pick one. There's 54 of them. And I was like, that was a mic drop. Yes. Think about one. Think about the U.S. Think about your neighbors, the people that live up and down the street. Are they from New York? My, no? my, my neighbor was from no? Burkina Faso. Uh, the guys down. Yeah, the, and not even yeah. that. Wisconsin. We got Nebraska. We got whatever. You know what? You graduate from high school. You say, this city's not for me. I want to pursue a career in this. I want mobility. I move. The, 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 the entitlement of whiteness is the mobility. Right. Mm. My husband, we talk about this all the time as families. We're kind of stuck in New York. Like for us, like once you get a taste <laughs> of this, the diaspora life for your children here and like being afraid to move places where you see shootings and lynchings and all this kind of stuff, like in modern day, you get scared. I went to school in New Orleans. I, I don't want to go back to the South. I love New Orleans. I don't live in the South. Like I'm afraid to. I love the South. I enjoy it there, well, because, but I don't want that experience. Because you, you, start, you start to realize that every identity of your being mm -hmm. is under attack exactly. in some direction. Uh, your, your 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 faith, you know, being Muslim, or your 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 blackness being an ethnicity, yep. your your gender being a woman. It's like you're yeah. from attack. You're getting from every direction. From every and direction. it restricts your mobility, and that's the suffocating thing. And that's what freedom feels like. Freedom feels like, oh my God, I want to be a reporter, so I'm gonna move to Chattanooga, Tennessee, for the next best opportunity. Where a brown person might go, ah, ain't no opportunity mm, for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to make it through the street. I'm gonna get arrested. I can't make it, whatever you know. So. That freedom, that mobility is there. What I would like to see before my lifetime is over and something that my children can experience is a, mo a freedom of mobility um, of Africans between countries in the diaspora. And I'm not just saying the continent. I think we should take ownership of the Caribbean, really. Like our ministers are black there, our presidents are black there. We can actually take ownership of the Caribbean, start to help each other out, get Haiti out of some shithole with the French, figure it out. And South America, and I mean, there's a lot of them, and they took the middle on purpose. Like Argentina's planned. I have, I don't know enough about Argentina, but I'd love to go into Argentina. But that's some racist shit happening there. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. And I mean, even Brazil now they have a Nazi as a president. Brazil. Like even Brazil, man. But and that, I mean, but at least the populace of like Brazil should be ours. That's the largest black population outside. That's Africa too. There's yeah. Africa and there's Brazil. And I don't know which one's blacker. I love them both. You know. <laughs> But like you, like like your girl said, like what I was just about to shout, pick fucking one. Pick one. Are man. you an L.A. girl? Are you a New York girl? Are you a Chicago dude? Or are you a Miami dude? Like that's what it is. Like don't be so afraid of the continent. It's like there's Nairobi for the East Coast folks. There's Dakar for like the West Coast folks. Lagos, <laughs> you want that big city? You a hustler? You like Brooklyn? You want to be a jackal? Go to Lagos. Like there's... <laughs> There's opportunity there for us to where, yeah, you'll have to worry. All humans have to worry about money. All humans have to worry about class. All humans have to worry about food, water, that kind of stuff. But not all humans have to worry about their color. And I have to say, when I'm home, the last thing I think about is white people. Like, when that, I see white people, I'm like, what are you doing that was That was the most amazing. I think about you today. The most amazing thing about being in Lagos, when you're walking around Lagos and you're seeing billboards up, ads, black people, like mobile ads, black people, 
any anything, anything advertised. Chewing gum, black people. Black people. It's like, yeah. and then you go, then you, like you 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 see a Armani Exchange ad just randomly tucked in some of the messaging somewhere. And you see, oh, that's white people on that ad right there. Mm. I ain't seen that in three days. Yeah. And then you look up under the billboards, and the owner is Afro Media. That was amazing for me. Like, for, to not see Lamar or Clear Channel or not any of these yeah. media, like, see Afro oh, media, man. like, baller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, it, it, was, it was just amazing to be in a place like that where you, you, you know that you're not going to be brutalized or possibly killed because of your skin color because everybody is on that same level with you. Mm-hmm. What I what I also love about the ads that you're talking about with the with the comfort of walking around and seeing all of that too. It's like you you're walking around. You're, you're not going to die because because you're black. Right. Like this That's is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's not because you're black. It might be because of something else. <laughs> you might have money there. Yeah, my money. Yeah, yeah. You might get robbed. Whatever. But that happens in Detroit. That happens in happens, in Brooklyn. It happens in the Upper West Side. Exactly. Like, yeah. And then like a lot of people. I mean, even like. Uh, I have family who were who aren't from Sudan because we have a lot of mixed family. They were like, "No, I don't want you going home. It's unsafe." I'm like, "Hmm." You let her come to Brooklyn, <laughs> <laughs> but we she can't go to Khartoum, which has like zero murder rate. Like between huge like people, like people don't kill each other. Civilians don't kill each other. There's like no like violent, very very low violent crime, right. domestic violent crime. Um, to uh, I'm in a country where like a four year old might just start pumping an AKA in 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 a classroom, like literally, mm-hmm. and it happens all the time. Um, so to me, it's like it's that perception that we have to get rid of, and also the opportunity there. Like you talked about the the messaging that's owned by Afro Media. I got to work in ad and branding when I was in in Sudan, and it was amazing to pick from black models, and not because it's we got some black models. It's like yeah, but that, that's pick some lot. Sudanese women, make sure that they're whatever, whatever, whatever. To the messaging was on point for us. To where the ad execs I was working with and the people I were talking to, I mean. I, there was a lot of Indians and Asians in there. But other than that, like, you were working with your folks. Like, mm-hmm. they wanted the Africans to do it. Now, imagine if we can get to a point where, like, all these, like, non-existent ad execs that live here that work in design and messaging went there. There's huge agencies there. I was at Interbrand for a while, and Interbrand had an agency in Cairo for years. Uh, they have a South Africa office. Um, they're obviously talking to black people. Mm-hmm. Um so there is opportunity in those places to control that messaging. And I think we need to do more of it. Yeah. Um, and I encourage designers always to like, if you, artists, if you are looking for a creative outlet um, that also pays money, there is an opportunity to do a lot of ad work for like smaller brands. I'm working with a small freelancer now that's doing, she's a filmmaker that's doing amazing stuff. That's mm. figuring out a way to, you know, monetize her art. Well, that's, that's the thing, man. It's just like, um, like when I first start, when I first started coming up um, as a young black boy, you know, I was always told that there's no money in art. There's no, there's no money in creativity. Oh, you can draw. You should be an architect. That's that's the career you should you should take. Yeah. Um, I I pursued that for a hot 
30 seconds <laughs> and realized that, mm, no, not for me, okay. not for me. Um, then I moved on. But like now, now art and commerce, there is no separation. It's like art commerce. It's like it's one <laughs> word now. It's, 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 there is no That's such thing. Art there's, commerce. There's, there's no such thing as um, art without commerce. It's like yeah. that's what it is. That's what art is. Art is commerce. commerce. Um, and creativity is commerce. And I, I read a book of, a few years ago about like um, the power of the idea and how idea and ideas are going to be the new currency. That's gonna be how things are paid for. What are you thinking? Like, what, what, what is your idea? What, 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 what is your admission into this space? Why? Because everything so easily is well, achievable. It's, it's what well, is is gonna be. It's gonna be to to the point to where where what well, it's not just ideas, also good ideas as well. But um, but. What's, what was starting to happen, and what I believe is starting to happen, is that, um, like, every production of things is easy. Mm-hmm. Production of everything is easy. It's accessible. Anybody can get anything made. But what are you making? Yeah. What What good is it doing? How 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 is How is what you're making impacting people, changing people, affecting people? Like what What is What is the idea? idea of the thing you're making because if you have a great enough idea we can get it made yeah two or three days drop ship <laughs> yeah it's like it, yeah. it can get made so ideas and great ideas is going to be the, the 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 new currency and it already starting to become that in every episode i like to talk towards the end about fixing stuff Um, and a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. We talked about the messaging and what's fucked up with the messaging right now, Um, whether it be from, you know, Nivea, KFC, then the the new ones, Prada, Gucci, all these guys. Um, Do you see value in more representation at agencies? Oh, absolutely. Or is there's, that would be there, there, there's there's value in in more reputation, no I mean, representation, no doubt, because um, at the very very base level, that will prevent, like I say, the swagger wagon. That will prevent the black face <laughs> turtleneck. That will prevent the sambo trinkets from Prada. Like will those, it? like it, yes, it would. Representation in in. In the design space, in the cre- in the ideation of these things, mm-hmm. representation there will will at least let people know where the where the landmines are. Nah, you, you can't step into that territory. That's explosive. Yeah, um, you can't say things like that because that's explosive. It's like at least representation at the very base level eliminates. The, so uh, the, this the, is a question pitfalls. I have for you. Do we want representation there or do we want them to jump in the pitfalls? That's my question always. And, and I'm always like, and maybe I want you to jump and that's, into and the that's trap. And that's exactly where I was going with this. Uh-huh. Is my, my second point to that was that representation will help alleviate those pitfalls for them. Yeah. But what does that do for black businesses, black brands, and yeah. black products? Because we're just helping them lie at that we're point. Just, we're just helping them help us squeeze, help, helping them squeeze more money out of 
us mm-hmm. in our community and take that bag and run off into those other places and build empires and build build communities. No, what can we like we can like we can take this expertise that we know because what 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 would end up happening is if we did this collectively and we did this together, what would end up happening is that we'll start to build those 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 agencies agencies with voice and power mm-hmm. and 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 expertise and all of a sudden now the um the, those brands are going to be running to us but like hey, look exactly help us help us not make these mistakes like no we you're going you're going to pay a pretty penny for that yep then we can take that money and build our communities we can take we can offer you know expertise and 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 and, and insight but we're the gatekeepers of that information yes Yes. We have to be the gatekeepers and of the of, of what is valuable for us. Mm-hmm. We gotta be like we've been giving away too much of this for free, just for smiles and handshakes, man. Like we we've been giving this shit away for a long time. We need to be more like it's the same with you know culture and and and, and hip hop. We've allowed so many people to on the dance floor to where we can't even break dance no more. There's too many bodies on the floor. They ain't got no business out there. Like, we can't, we can't even do the head spin like no more. Like, Everybody's post like, alone and out there. It's like man, like can't even do but, nothing. But like, we yeah. and and we've given away so much of our culture, yeah. um, and our influence and our and our validation and and our stamp of approval, and we we drive culture in this country. We are everything that this planet. country, this planet. Everything in this world that is of value to every specific place is not without the influence of us. True. That's just the nature of it. We are in a state of emergency, a real one, not a, not a fake wall one. <laughs> but <laughs> we're in a state of emergency in terms of they're like broadcasting our murders at this point. It's, I can't even really put it into words. I'm in such shock at the fact that my kids are growing up in a space where I can't turn the TV on because, right. like, where when we turned the TV on, we were all going to prison. I get it. Like, it's been, this has been the message that's been put in our heads for a long time to the point where, like, we fear black people in other neighborhoods, you know? And, and, and I've learned, I learned a, a, a really amazing uh, term a couple weeks ago from another podcast that I listen to. She's a customer of mine. Who? And um this 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 woman named Nicole Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um and she she runs this uh Stewart podcast. Talk about it. She yeah. runs this uh she does this podcast called the Stewart Podcast. Um and she's a she's a a a, a rape crisis counselor with as and even now with children and, and, and adults and whatnot. But Listening to her podcast introduced me to the term vicarious trauma, hmm. and this is medical. This is scientific. This okay. is not. This is not. Oh, I feel traumatized by all this consumption of black death on the the social media channels and on the TV and on the on the news every night. No, when you internalize these traumatic experiences over and over again, and then you add on to the fact that. You add on to that internalization that this could be me and because that kid looks like me or that person looks like my brother. These are compounding 
experiences and compounding trauma that's being driven into us and we don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I feel like every black person in America should have an automatic medical marijuana card. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like just, just being black Everybody is traumatic. It's just, <laughs> being black is traumatic. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to become, um, like I say, gatekeepers of the messaging, gatekeepers of the culture. Everything about us, we have to, we have to control the narrative. We have to determine and shape and change and control the narrative. We own that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the slave master party that the Vogue lady did? Did you see that one? When, I when, feel like that one slipped a lot this of occur? people. When did this this occur? was like last week. This happened recently? Or two weeks ago. Come and it's now. the, what's her name? Because you might know her. That's what I thought about too. Um, Donatella, no, Donata. Donata Muriel or something like that. No. She's the star editor in Brazil of all places. And she did a, um, a whole Instagram spread of her party that she had for her birthday. And it was a slavery themed party. And she had the black Brazilian women come and show up as slaves. And the black people, the black men show up as like servant slaves. At least the black ladies were pretty slaves. I didn't even know how that even happens. Um, and then they were all like using them as props and photos and shit. You missed that one? I totally missed that one. Yo. And I'm not saying this is everybody. I know I'm being like a blanket bigot right now or whatever. But this is a conversation between us. And this is where we have to figure all this shit out. But I, I'm not sure what it is. And like I said, we're, we're at a point now where we have to say, I don't care why you act like this. But like, is that it? Is it just to, you're like, so fucking we, we cold you just, don't get it? Just put a disclaimer on, like, like, just once and for all. Just understand. When I say white people, I'm talking about them. I'm not talking about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, like if, it, if you think I'm talking about you, you're guilty. And like my mom, my mom used to <laughs> always say, my grandma used to always say, a hurt dog will holler, or is it is it a hit dog? I don't know which one it is, but a hit dog will holler. That's when I say white people, I'm talking about them. I ain't talking about you. Mm-hmm. It's it is a is an implicit. If you're white and you're listening to this there's podcast. A, there's probably unless you're like trying to find the location of Bahamas, like, like <laughs> you're not. Like, we're not talking about you're probably you. Probably on the there's, right track. Yeah. I mean, there, there's an implicit. Not all in front of the work in, in front of white people. There's there's a Black Lives Matter too. There's a parenthetical too. There's there's a, a parenthetical. Not all when we say men. Yeah. Like there's like yeah. understand that. Yeah. Like these are these are designations that we get so hung up in trying to defend what we mean. Mm-hmm. Just know we're not talking about everybody. But if we are talking about you. If we're talking about you, then you you you'll you relate. <laughs> you need to listen. You're right. Now nah, I feel you. I feel you. But um yeah, I mean, as far as like fixing it all, like I, I, to me, black ownership is so important because of controlling that message. I think that's the biggest power I have as an entrepreneur is how I spend my advertising dollars. I can choose to spend my advertising dollars like doing something with kids and making sure they feel great or communicating directly to, you know, the needs and aspirations of feeling whole and the things that black folks need. But but I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, like I understand what those needs are. Or I can spend my advertising dollars doing a whole bunch of really offensive, whack shit. And to me, like, you know, folks that spend a few million dollars on a Negro sweater, black lip 
tambo thing. I don't even know what that was. Like I, well, well, inter- I don't even understand. The, the it. interesting thing about um, offensive and racist imagery is because black people have never black people and people of color has never held sustained systemic power over white people. There really is no way to offend them through imagery, through language. Like, what can you call a white person that offends them? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? All you have to do is fall on your knee and the whole fucking country goes into (laughs) freaking panic. (laughs) They're so easily offended. All I have to do is go on TV and go, black. <laughs> black, black, black. I'm and black. say it on your knees. And Do it on your knees. If say I say in a room, black people, like if I'm with parents and I'm just like, we're black, we don't do that. Like I do that shit all the time to get people uncomfortable. The whole room is offended. All I say is I'm black. I'm black. But, but what I'm saying is like it, it's 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 offensive, but not in in a way where you're offending them about who they are. No, it's not damaging because we can't be racist. And that's that's the whole thing. Like when people are like, "Oh, you're racist." Nah, bitch, racism I can't be racist is, is because bias, I can't control you. You're not going to be hurt in that way. Right. Like you might cry because you might feel like you're a horrible person, but it's like band-aid cry. Like where right. I might never work. <laughs> yeah, racism is yeah, a, it's a, a, it's a power component to my opinion mm-hmm. that um, it's just we, the definition just of the have. word, and we then I get it. Have. Like, yeah, I could totally be a bigot. I could totally be prejudiced. I could totally mm-hmm. hate you just because you're white. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be biased. I could be whatever. But racist, I cannot be. Um, but yeah, that that could go on forever and ever and ever. But awesome show, Rodney. Oh, last thing. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. Impact does not. No oh, intention does not absolve impact. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the white people be better people. Secret. Secret. Yeah. White people be better secret. I think that was that's that's some of the deepest uh yeah. learning we've had on the show so yeah. far. It's true. Like yeah. it's it is. It's say it again. Say it again. Intention does not absolve impact. White people it. be better people secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Intention does not absolve impact. Hey, guys, did you know that intention does not absolve impact? I think you should put that on a t-shirt. Hey, guys, did you know? I think it's coming. (laughs) I think it should come. I think it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. You check out uh, uh, Black on Mm BlackBK.com. Rodney's line is dope. Like I said, my, my kids wear it. I wear it. It's the perfect mom school t-shirt drop-off shirt in the morning i gotta say Mm -hmm. if you want to make an impact (laughs) with intention with intention then it's 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 a great show it's a great shirt to have we'll see rodney again rodney's my homie um and he's always doing some amazing things that i love to talk to him about um check out black on black i want to give you a Biggest thank you, Rodney. No that was problem. dope. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Wow. Now, all the links and handles you need are available in the show notes and on thebrownceo.com. Thank you uh, to our wonderful sponsor, The Brown Crayon Project, and to our family here at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. Uh, we want to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. Tell us what you think. Talk to us on Twitter at The Brown CEO. Subscribe and review our podcast. It's important that you review us on iTunes um, to bump us up there um, or go to thebrownceo.com. Support black business. All right. That's our show.